Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hainer. I'm an international business coach, a recognized global expert on leadership and visibility, and I designed this podcast for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that you can implement in order to accelerate your success and build your own brand you. We also publish exclusive material, offers and behind the scenes content in our Building Brand You Facebook group. And if you'd like to find out more about our Building Brand You coaching programs, you can book a free 20 minute call with me where we'll explore where you are and whether Building Brand You coaching is the right fit for you. You'll find both of those links as well as many others in the show notes. So let's unlock this episode and lift the lid on what's next in Building Brand You. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special series of Building Brand You Down Under, where we're talking about all the things required to build a healthy brand and a healthy business. Today's episode is all about healthy workplace, or more specifically, amazing workplaces. And I am delighted to welcome my special guest, Simon Osborne. Simon and I have only known each other for a couple of years and met quite recently while I was actually in Australia. And isn't it wonderful to experience those real life in-person meetings again? It just shifts the whole conversation and connection entirely. Simon's all about creating amazing workplaces and to hear him talk about his experiences and the prompt for him to set up his own business, to leave corporate life just as I have and set up his own business many years ago is inspiring to say the least. Simon Osborne is an experienced coach who is passionate about empowering people to be more constructive leaders and leaders who deliver sustainably excellent business results. His experience has been in senior roles in the public and private sectors in Australia and as a consultant with a major international consulting firm. He has worked with CEOs to team leaders and frontline staff in Australia and throughout Asia. Simon knows what it takes to create amazing workplaces where trust levels are high, communication is more effective and results are sustainably excellent. In this episode, We'll be talking about creating your own amazing workplaces and unlocking some of the secrets that Simon has for you to do that. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Simon Osborne. Well, hello, Simon. How lovely to have you on Building Brand You. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Akim. It's lovely to be here. Really, really good. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a little while, haven't we, from opposite sides of the world, haven't we? We have. We've had quite a few conversations all around this topic, so it's great to uh, sit with you and have a chat uh, on your podcast. We're today going to talk about healthy workplaces, but before we do that, what I like to do with building brand new guests is to sort of hand the mic over to you uh, so that you can tell listeners uh, who you are. What's the Simon Osborne story? So without any further ado, 
over to you. I guess it's a chance for me to talk about how I built brand me. So, well, it could be. <laughs> that's right. So my my story, my journey, I guess, really, I'd like to focus on a cold May afternoon in Melbourne. And I was the senior manager in charge of the leadership development department of a large Australian bank. And my manager had just two weeks ago been replaced in a restructure. And it was, yeah, look, I've actually barely met my, the successor in the role. That person had been in and out. That I'd seen them passing by. And then one day they walked up to my, up to my office door and looked in and said, Simon, let's have a coffee. And we all know what that means. <laughs> So it wasn't even a hello, how are you? Or uh, how's your day been? It was just straight into, we've got to have a coffee. And that was the start of around a month of really pretty difficult, stressful interactions around the whole department. We had about 160 people in the training department broadly. And I wasn't the only one going. And no one was talking about the huge changes in the business. No one was talking about the decisions that were being made or how people were being impacted. The place was changing, but there's no open communication, no trust. And it was really this, the process that caused me to start to say, I have a real passion for helping people create workplaces that aren't like that, that there are high levels of trust, where communication is effective and transparent. And, and the values are more than just something written in a framed a4 frame on the wall so that that personal part of it uh was really impactful for me for me in realizing this can be done and then the second part of the, the the story for me really is the collage of dozens of organizations i've worked with over the years individuals and teams uh, and seeing them become more productive operate with less stress and begin their own journey towards being amazing, um, both individually and as teams and workplaces. The thing is that most of them started off as fairly amazing. And to be able to come back to me and say, wow, thank you for, for the superpower, uh, which I got in some feedback recently. Uh, it's a real buzz. And I love that process. Brilliant. And um, we were talking just before we went uh, into the recording and you mentioned that you have um, been an entrepreneur and, uh, for, for quite a while with practical workplace strategies, much longer than me. I have, yes. Um, I, I've just loved the journey. It's one of those things that I've been around 22 years with practical workplace strategies the business has changed over the years but I've always managed to keep a focus on uh, how amazing workplaces can really function and and the power of them the the, the lower levels of stress the high levels of productivity um, they're just better workplaces and it looks easy to, to to rattle off sort of the formal cost data, things like costs of absenteeism, costs of workers' compensation, costs of uh, turnover, costs of replacing people, um, all those sorts of things are part of the equation. But in the end, it comes down to heart and soul. 
you know, organizations that are genuinely amazing. Um, people just love working there. They, they, they've, and in, in many cases, I've been talking lately to organizations who are talking about the great resignation. The great resignation isn't happening really in amazing workplaces. Sure, people are leaving, people are looking for higher pay, they're looking for new opportunities, but in most cases, an amazing workplace will provide that for people. Mm. And that was going to be one of my questions, actually. You've segued quite nicely into that. So <laughs> obviously, you know, workplaces, if you like, um, have changed somewhat in the last two or three years as we've, uh, you know, been through the pandemic, been through lockdown, um, had to em embrace and be productive and um, motivated in remote working environments mm. without the, the, the direct connection of being in the physical environment with people. Um, and what sort of what sort of impact do you think that's had and, and what are you seeing um, sort of emerge as we start to sort of recalibrate in this sort of, I hate to say post-COVID world because everybody says it, but there you go. <laughs> You've just done it. I know. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll talk a little later about what I see makes up uh, the core of an amazing workplace and what the outcomes are. Because one of the outcomes of an amazing workplace is that they tend to be adaptable and responsive. And that's a really critical factor that great workplaces, healthy workplaces, amazing workplaces are coming out of the, the most impactful part of COVID, having been able to adapt. They're not suddenly saying, oh, how do we, how do we respond to the post-COVID world? They, they've been part of a conversation throughout COVID as people have been uh, in and out of offices. Uh, I mean, many of them are already long before COVID looking at flexibility in the workplace. Um, they were conscious of um, not the compliance issues of having to provide various conditions of employment, but um, were already becoming adaptable and looking at how do we uh, how do we provide for men and women parental leave? How do we provide uh, flexibility rather than, you know, be at the office from these hours to those hours, trusting people to, to actually be working when they're not being not visible? There's a lot of stuff that's hard to measure. I like the word stuff. Stuff that's hard to measure in terms of adaptability. But when you, when you see it, you know it. Mm. Um, and it is, you know, it's no two organisations are the same in this. Mm. So you can't copy another organisation. Mm. Um, and when organisations get um, very uh, vocal about they've got a great culture, quite often they're talking about climate. And climate's the superficial stuff, the stuff you see. Um, and focusing really on culture, on what are the rules and and the principles that drive us as a business and as an organisation. I've got a particular interest in healthcare, um, so I, I try to get a, stay not always in the focus of a business. The organisations that uh, are focusing on culture are getting to that deeper level um, and are able to not just put in place uh, a fruit trolley being wheeled around for the staff you know, twice a day or um, uh, a, a brightly painted 
recreation room for people to go and play table tennis or or whatever billiards or snooker it, it's sort of they're important and they're really pleasant aspects of a workplace when they're there but they're not driving a really impactful and amazing culture you talked before about the um you know the principles that that underpin that that it's it, to go deeper from from the surface stuff of climate into culture you talked about stuff before how do we see when that will know when that culture because it's it's not as you said the same for everybody um it's no. about you know i often talk uh whether i'm coaching my own clients or, or when i think about my own experiences uh when i was in corporate life um it's finding a culture that also fits with you and your yeah. principles and values and things like that you know how how I think difficult or um, challenging is is that you know when you're speaking to the organizations you work with and, and what you see to sort of marry that how do we get what we stand for in our principles and the way things done around here yeah in it's, a way that attracts the the people that will really be part of the success of the organization yeah I, I i'm attracted to the very attracted to the to the principle that let's not start talking about what are the problems mm. um, i like talking about i love talking about creating amazing workplaces largely because everyone wants to work in, a, in an amazing workplace a healthy yep. workplace and the important starting point for the for a discussion about creating that has to be there's no judgment it has to be that there's no one to blame. The workplace is as it is. It's not, there's no fault that needs to be attributed. And in fact, cultures take a long time to form. So it's not one manager who's responsible. It's not one group of people. And, and the, the issue is if we start with a problem, where then we're probably missing the point because it's a gradual acceptance. Often the culture's a gradual acceptance of certain behaviors and ways of operating that were probably there for a reason a good reason at one stage but they're no longer appropriate mm. um, and we talked about the great resignation and the flexibility required the sort of rigid working hours stuff technical term it may have been necessary one day but increasingly with technology and with you know, different family um, structures the, the sort of rigid nine to five work hours or eight to six or whatever um, are not necessarily appropriate and they can drive a culture in starting the conversation with with people i'd like to start with a um to get rid of blame fault finding and judgment let's start to go down the place of i'm not fixing toxic workplaces we're creating amazing ones that never become toxic so oh, it's lovely i mean there's a lot of public shaming of toxic workplaces yeah these days. yeah um, the media in Melbourne this week had a whole page feature article about one of the, the metropolitan councils that's apparently in a toxic workplace. Um, and you know, the, the CEOs, you know, denying it, the mayor's denying it. Um, of course, they'll deny it. Um, and they probably don't see it as being toxic. So it's actually about, for me, it's about creating opportunities rather than fixing problems. Mm. So it's, I like to, I mean, there are two analogies I like to, to use. One is that we have our motor car service regularly. Most of us have a regular health checkup. Just, you know, even if we haven't got any symptoms, any, any sickness, it's the regular checkup. Mm. Um, workplaces are the same. They're full of people. 
and they're full of moving parts. So getting into the process of looking at how are we operating now? How mm. could we be doing better? Mm. Um, it's not a systems and process thing. We're going to mm. revise our systems and processes anyway, mm. but it's how are we operating as an as a organisation? Mm. And look, sometimes managers steer away from this. They, they don't like to investigate the issues. Maybe they're concerned sometimes that uh, there'll be problems, they'll get blamed, uh, which is possibly a symptom of the culture anyway. But to help people grow and to take some stress out of their life, it's an amazing thing to do to, to mm. start a process like this. Mm. And this whole blame thing, hardly anyone really comes to work every day um, with a decision, I'm going to make life a misery for people I work with, or yeah. I'm going to make, make this business <laughs> inefficient today. Almost every manager I've ever worked with is genuinely convinced and determined to do a great job. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. No one wants to do a bad job. And it feels so amazing when you think you've done it. I think, absolutely. you know, whether you work for someone else, whether you're in your own business, whether you're um, volunteering, whatever it is, you know, you feel amazing when you think I contributed, yeah. I did a great job, I'm part yeah. of this. And, yeah. you know, and it's a great word, actually, because when people ask, they kind of say, well, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and it's a, yeah. sort of this all encompassing word that we kind of go, yeah, and then you go, what about it is amazing. I've had, I've had a bit of a habit uh, over recent years of when people ask me how I am, I say, I'm amazing. Yeah. And the number of people who have a double take. Yeah. <laughs> because, because here in Australia, and, and I don't know about the UK, but typically when people say, how are you? People say, I'm oh, not bad. Two negative words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very good and, point. And, and and to 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 respond with I'm amazing. I mean, it's amazing the number of people who uh, say people. So if I go to a sandwich shop and that the sandwich makers buttering the bread or putting the fillings on the sandwich, and they just say have a conversation. How are you today? And I say I'm amazing. And they almost cut their finger off because they sort of <laughs> look up quickly. For, What's this guy on? Yeah, um, exactly. What? <laughs> so what what have you been doing today that makes it amazing? Exactly, I want some exactly. of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want what he's got. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, the, you know, there's a very old movie about that. Old movie in our terms, is. not black and white movie people, but, it's you know, Harry, yeah, Harry exactly. Sally, yeah. yeah. So thinking the, about what makes an amazing, what makes it amazing um, is, is really an interesting topic of conversation. And so you've been working with all sorts of organisations um, yeah. and we know each other. Uh, through uh, Homewood Band Projects and, you know, you're contributing to that, um, that, if you like, environment as well to make that amazing, to make that healthy for all the participants of both the program, the Homewood Band program and, you know, the faculty and the support and all of that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm really interested to sort of unpick a little bit what what does an amazing workplace sort of need to have or need to do or you know what what are the components of amazing workplaces uh, I, I have a I have a picture in my head of, of, a, of a model which the, in which the core the right the center of the of an amazing workplace the centerpiece uh, is constructive leaders mm -hmm. um, and constructive leaders get a great balance between 
um, getting results and driving for results. On the, on the other hand, um, supporting and encouraging people. So it's it's the, those constructive leaders who can who can find that balance mm, mm. that really is, as I said, the centerpiece. And for me, I have a strong belief that I'm not talking here about um, a position or responsibilities. I'm talking about an attitude, and it's people who who show up ready to accept responsibility. They, they don't always have to be out front and being noticed. It's, and so it's not a position. It's the people who say, I can see this needs to be done and I'll either do it or I'll check. I'll, I'll go and talk to someone and say, I notice that's not being done. Do you want me to do it? In an amazing workplace, there's no implied criticism of you're not doing it. I'd better do it for you. It's, it's that, that team collaborative um, supportive um, I can see you're under the pump um, would you like me to do it knowing that that will go, what goes around comes around in, in an amazing workplace mm. and I think um, that you know you you're talking about it being constructive so we talked before about no judgment no blame this is about seeing things sort of I guess as they are and, and stepping in and saying how can I make a difference how can I help how can I make absolutely. this better yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so for me, with with that centerpiece of of constructive leaders, the, the the pieces that fit around that 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 sort of create the rest of the core are things like the values are clearly stated and lived. People know what the values mean, and they are quite comfortable in their skin being able to challenge people or have the discussion with people if, if decisions aren't consistent with what we believe our values are. I mean, the number of times I've worked with senior leaders in organisations and I've just tossed the question into a conversation, tell me what your values are. And there are sort of blank faces and puzzled faces and, and then someone turns and starts reading them off, off the, um, the A4 poster on the wall. Really amazing workplaces have that, you know, people live them, they know them and they haven't got 72 different you know, value statements. They've got a small number that they, and they refer to them regularly when they make major decisions. They're saying, so what would our values say about this rather than just what's the best commercial outcome? Because in the end, if we stick to our values, you are going to get the best commercial outcome. Mm. Yeah. When you ask the question of what are your values, it's not what's on the wall. It's it's actually how what your behaviour demonstrates. What yeah. what do you reward yeah. and support um, yeah. in your organisation? So yeah. you know, I think um, let, let's talk about that a bit later because I, I know you've got other elements of amazing right. workplaces yeah. to share. Okay. So <laughs> so not only the values, but goals are clearly stated people share goals people know what they're doing and how it contributes to the overall outcomes of the team the department the the organization they know what their part is um, it's not about knowing your place and sticking in it but it's that uh, i know how i contribute and that sense of um, enjoyment and um, uh, even elation when goals are met because i know i've helped get there I've, I've had managers many times over the years when I talk about congratulating people for achieving certain of their goals, um, 
the, the, the comment has been made to me too many times to count, um, but they're only achieving the goals that they set. I mean, why do they have to be congratulated? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a no-brainer. It's that you know, the, to, to achieve a goal is one thing, and then to have someone um, highlight it and say, "That's amazing! Well done! Thank you!" Mm, mm. Um, it's 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 very inexpensive, but it's so so powerful. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit, so we've got the, the core there, with the, the core of, of constructive leaders. We've got the, 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 the values, the goals, and the, the third outside piece is amazing organisations are always looking at developing individual capacity. It's not just sending them on training courses. It's how can this person grow? There's a, a gazillion ways in which people can uh, be stretched. Um, that's partly by the goals we set set them, or they set for themselves. We encourage them to set their, their own, but it's also all sorts of other things like shadowing people and um, getting a look into going and seeing what what happens to our end product. What are the customers? Uh, what, what do they see? What have, what do suppliers know about us? Go and find out. You now go and spend some time with the supplier. All those sorts of uh, opportunities. They don't have to be big ones. Um, so it's the developing individual capacity. And then once you get the goals, the values and the capacity development, a clear outcome is trust. It's that environment where people, um, they, don't, they aren't fearful of being in trouble if they speak up. They're not um, hoarding resources from others in case people take stuff that I might use later. They're not... Um, seeing the need to control other people to win all the time, the, the sort of the classic constructive organisation, the amazing workplace. Um, one wins, they all win. Mm, that's um, nice. One wins, they all win. I like that. So that's that that core of five elements must be present, and that's mm. and it's it's quite deep. It's not sort of superficial to deal with that, and I fully understand that it's that it gets complicated. So, so once you get that core, for me, the, the outcomes are things like communication will be clearer. Mm -hmm. And I, I spent quite a number of years at a major uh, top big five consulting firm. And one of the things we did a lot of was uh, was um, employee surveys. And almost all the time, the two issues that came up out of employee surveys was that communication's poor and that... Um, performance management is not not well managed both are, I mean in terms of the goals and values and individual capacity development is dealt with and that deals with the performance management process and the communication outcomes when communication is clear how much time do we save where we don't have to sort of say didn't you understand this or you know I wish I didn't have to keep repeating myself type comments so communication is clearer, teams are more effective because there's that, that automatic synergy between team members. I've talked about another outcome being that amazing organisations are responsive and adaptable. They respond to, to client needs, they respond to supplier issues, they respond to broader economic conditions um, and to, to the needs of employees. The, the, the fourth part of the, of the outcomes is that 
or major organisations have engaging conversations with their clients. They have valuable interactions that are not just transactions or good service provision. It's that, that time that, that clients, and, and in the healthcare sector, I've said I've got an interest in that, where people are walking away saying, that was amazing. Mm. Oh, I feel really happy with what I received. Mm. It wasn't the amount of time you spent with them or whether you got billed a lot of money or it's, it's that I feel really good. Mm. I feel I'm cared about and, and I was listened to. And then, of course, the obvious outcome is that major organisations have sustainably excellent business results. Yeah. They don't have to start off by saying we need excellent business results. They start at the core mm. and an outcome is the sustainably excellent business results. Mm. Mm. Because so you have all uh, the building blocks in place. You do, exactly. Yeah, mm. the core or the foundation. I, I, when I sort of focus in healthcare, I talk about core strength. I mean, a lot of allied health professionals talk about core strength. Yep. And so it's a, it's a classic, uh, it worked out really well. It was a, quite an accident, I've got to confess, that I came up with this core and then I realised, hey, it's like so. Yeah, strength, as a woman of a certain age, I understand completely about core strength. <laughs> <laughs> very very important and i think what's interesting is that whole place of like that core strength is where you start absolutely you know, yeah you know so i you know i love the way you talked about those sort of those five elements um uh, of amazing workplaces but what what struck me most was that you started with the core and the core strength is your leadership your leaders are they constructive? Are, you know, so um, perhaps we could sort of unpick each of these a little more, if, if that's okay. Uh, th so the other thing I want to say as well is that obviously, um, uh, you know, we have people who work in organisations listening in, but we also have people who might run their own business. They might be new entrepreneurs. They might have a small team. And I think what we're talking about today is something worth thinking about wherever you are in your Absolutely. leadership journey, whether you're employed in an organisation, whether you uh, volunteer as something, whether you are the boss of your own business, whether you work for an entrepreneur. I think in all of these things, we spend so much time in our workplace, in our head or in our home or wherever, for want of a better word. So I think there, this is something I have been, uh, that has been at the core of building my business you know I've had a team for for 18 months months and while I had values and aspirations and all that sort of thing before having a team involved has actually made me think about okay so you know what do I want to build how um how do I show up for them um yes. what job do I need to do for them to create their capacity um I mean our values are uh, adventure growth purpose and reflection they have that as part of their, their, their sort of development objectives about thinking about, well, what sort of things can I do to, to support those values? So we talk about yeah. wins every, every week in meetings. Who had a win this week? So we were talking about, about that. So the first time was quite tough because no yeah. one had thought about it. And then after and a couple of weeks. And sometimes wins are quite small ones. It they don't are. Have to be they are. And that power of acknowledgement. I loved what you said about celebration and acknowledgement as well. I'm huge in that. But um, let's go back to constructive leaders. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what would be great is to sort of understand a little bit about uh, how we can be 
um, constructive leaders, um, how we can encourage others to be constructive. I mean, you know, there's a whole yeah. lot of stuff right. in there. Wow. But another three hours on the podcast, we could. Uh... Yeah, well, maybe you have to come back and have, a, have another conversation about that. But yeah, just just at, yeah. A, at, a, at a top level, if people were well, saying, what is a constructive leader? How do I how do I be yeah, one? Okay. How do I become one? I guess Brene Brown's uh, concept of vulnerability is uh, is part of it, but it's being um, prepared to being focused on one's own development, not, not in a selfish way, not in a, an arrogant way, but where am I? What am I doing? How am I showing up? And very typically, I talk to senior leaders in organisations about how amazing their workplace is. And the response is, well, yeah, we're amazing. Yeah, look, terrific. Now, thanks for asking. And that's that's sort of the extent of it, rather than saying, well, I reckon we're pretty amazing, but gee, I wonder what would happen, or I wonder what we could do. Mm. And so it's that preparedness to be reflective, um, always seeking growth, seeking new experiences for oneself it's that the self um, that capacity to build a self-belief that it doesn't matter what other people think of me but it is really important to know how I show up mm. I had a I was involved in a meeting just recently where someone raised a, a concern or raised an issue and I felt very strongly that we had to get focused back on a one particular model of leadership for that for that organisation, and afterwards I I stopped and thought, hang on, was I? Because I, I I know that there are times when I can appear to be somewhat aggressive, or I can uh, be uh, I can I can actually yeah be a bit a bit pushy. So for me, uh, you know, the, the first response was to check in with someone who's at the meeting and, and asking for a, a blunt, if necessary, response. You know, did, I, did I mess that up? Did I, um, was I a bit aggressive in the way I put that? Because I felt very, very strongly about it. Um, fortunately, there was, was very positive feedback, but, but I liked, to think that I do it, I model it, I don't always get it right. Mm. I definitely don't always get it right. Mm. And, and I like working with leaders who say that. Mm. I, I reckon I, I get it right most of the time, but I do check in. In terms of the balance between supporting and encouraging people and getting results, they don't have any need to be to worry about am I going to when I set deadlines and set goals I, I don't have any nervousness about holding people accountable to that because I, I know they expect it and I also know that I support and encourage them to do it yeah they don't always get it right mm. but they they are reflective of their mm. leadership practice yeah they it's are, not about being perfect it's not about being perfect. No, and I mean, the minute Far we think we're it. perfect, we've become fixed and we don't think we need to grow. The, uh, the lovely expression that, that perfection is the uh, sure sign of madness. Perfection and, is the enemy of progress is the one I know. It is. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it, when you become obsessed by being perfect, 
it becomes a it becomes a, a selfish thing. It becomes mm. how do people see me? It's it's actually the psychology of it is really that people want to be seen by others to be perfect, mm. which is the sort of the how it all comes about. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a terrible burden to mm. to need to be perfect. It's exhausting. Um, <laughs> as a recovering perfectionist myself yes yeah, yeah. it is exhausting I, I, um, I, i'm far from it and, I, and i'm the sort of person who I, I remember when i was consulting with coopers and Librand, i worked with a uh, a guy who was an ex uh, air force officer who had both um, a master's in engineering and a master's in an mba in accounting and, and finance so he's a classic candidate for the perfectionist style. And we used to, he and I used to do presentations to clients quite often together. And I was the one who always had the typos in the in overhead slides, the PowerPoint presentation. And Alan used to almost physically grab me by the collar and pull me back and said, Simon, you've got to proofread this. And I didn't understand it before. Yeah. But when there's a perfectionist in the room and there's a typo on an overhead slide or in a document, they obsess about it. Mm. They get sidetracked. And as a consultant trying to communicate a message to a client, I had lost the game if yeah. I had typos in it because of all the senior execs who are perfectionists were focusing on my typos and not my message. Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson as well about constructive leaders tap into others. We know we're not perfect. So I've gone out, I've got a team of four and I am not detail oriented. I don't enjoy it. Um, I run at a million miles an hour, leaving small trail of stuff behind me. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, two of my team are brilliant at detail and um, one by chance, but the other one, I, I sort of looked at, at myself. I looked at who was in my team and I kind of thought, actually, what I'm missing is someone who's detail oriented, yeah. is someone who can play that role in the team. It's not about, yeah. you know, all of us being alike or all of us, no. um, and, you know, and, stepping and forward all the time. Yeah. yeah, and that's another characteristic or another way of looking at constructive leaders, leaders and that's that they're prepared uh, to and they celebrate difference. Mm. So um, they don't go for the safe. They don't go for the people who look like them, feel like them, sound like them, yeah. but are, are comfortable with someone who is maybe off the wall in comparison, but because they bring something worthwhile to a team, but it's accepting it because they know that wrapped in that package is something that was really going to drive the team. It's something that's amazing. Something that's amazing. Exactly. Yay. So the, the next one, so, we, we, you know, we're talking about we've, we've got that mindset around, okay, how can I be more constructive as a leader? What are some of those things? And the next thing you talked about was values and you referred to them as lived values. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that and why that's important? Okay. I, I got to say that I tend to revert to stories and this sort of thing. That's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the manager who says, my door is always open and then someone 
wanders in and the door is open if they actually have an office with the door, um, but walks up to the desk and wants to have a conversation. And the manager either says, can't you see I'm busy? Or um, look, wait a minute, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you in a minute. And they just sit there typing on the computer. Or they say, yeah, sure, come in, sit down. And they're focusing on, on the computer screen and answering emails. Um, the door might be open, but the mind isn't. So it's that, um, it's that what we say isn't consistent with what we do. Um, and it's people who talk about our employees are our most important asset. And then um, I, I actually went to lunch with a potential client when I was with a, with a major consulting firm. And the potential client I was having lunch with used that expression regularly. Our employees are our most important asset um, and respect for our employees is, is, a, is key to our success. And yet that person treated the wait staff at that lunch terribly. Mm. So lived values, you don't just live them at work. You don't say one thing and then treat people uh, in a completely opposite way. Mm. So the lived values for for any constructive organization, any um, amazing organization, it's there's a whole lot of levels to it, but it's it's actually doing what I say. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, and being and consistent in it. Being consistent. Yes. Um, and if and if we say um, open and transparent communication, then be prepared to have a discussion around what does that mean. Mm. And when I'm not telling you information, uh, I mean the communication is the classic uh, example in, in organisations that you know we talk a, a lot in organisations about being open and transparent. Um, and then there are times when, as a manager, there's stuff we can't tell people. Mm. I mean, for, for good reason. Sometimes it may betray the confidence of, of another person. Sometimes it may be that the decision is not yet final um, in the organisation and there's little point in talking about a, a, a possible. But the, the best way to get around those sorts of things is to say, I know that... I promote open and transparent communication, but I can't tell you the detail at the moment because it is simply isn't decided. And I don't want to start a conversation around things that we still aren't, still aren't sure. But please be assured that when it is final, I will tell you about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, or I can't tell you about that because it's confidential to a person. Mm. And it would betray a confidence, but what I can tell you is, and find the bits that are possible. Yeah, and I'm currently in the middle of reading Matthew Syed's Rebel Ideas, and I've just um, I'm just reading the section on dominance hierarchy, and he talks about um, when there's a there's an expectation that you can't approach or can't challenge the dominance, and he talks about a particular incident where. Um, a co-pilot didn't challenge the captain yes. um, because of that. And it, and it was a sort of like a subconscious, a cult, not just a cultural thing in the organization, but, you know, he talked about this was in the seventies where you didn't question superiors. You just yes. didn't do that. So, yeah. you know, and now we're, we're in a way we're coming full circle where we've got this, uh, you know, as you talk about this, 
when I say this next generation coming through, and I think it's every new generation that does this, that doesn't play by the rules that we grew up with, perhaps. And it's kind of, kind of a bit shocking when someone goes, well, you know, I've got something to tell you and you're the boss and you kind of go, well, hey, well, you know, you've got, you, sometimes you get a bit set on your backside and go, hmm, I, okay, yeah, how am I yeah. really showing up? Was I, was I really um, creating a safe space for that person, which is one of our values or was I just trying to shape it to my own needs yeah yeah, yeah. And, and there are some environments in fact the uh, the pilot co-pilot ones are, are classic there's a lovely book by Richard de Cretney. uh he was flying a Qantas plane out of Singapore and the and the and the engines destroyed themselves so he had to take the plane back in um, and he did so saving all the lives uh, uh, basically managed to turn the plane around and land it again at Singapore uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful book about constructive leadership. But the, 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 the co-pilot was in a position of saying, uh, Captain, these are issues that we need to deal with. And I understand that quite frequently in the past, at least in, in the cabins of, of, the airline, of an airliner, um, the co-pilot didn't question the, the pilot. Mm. Um, and it was a, a very, I mean, it's really interesting discussion that he has in the book about the conversations he was having with the co-pilot. Yes, I can't deal with it right now, but do keep me uh, attuned to that. Um, mm. Emergency departments of hospitals are quite often mm. uh, uh, likened to that environment in a in a uh, in an aircraft cabin, yeah, um, uh, cockpit rather. That mm. it's the that you know you don't question. Um, certain people, you don't, uh, you don't challenge it, and yet, really, uh, the really great emergency departments uh, to see them operate, it's it's just remarkable. Yeah. The, the team. It's amazing. Was, uh, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, you know this sort of the capacity for, regardless whether you're a, a, a nurse or a nurse unit manager or a, uh, or a surgeon, to to operate as a team to, mm. you know, to ensure that a patient coming in critically ill um, gets the best possible medical treatment. Yeah. And so yeah. many hospitals do it well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, that there's almost like that pressure cooker situation that really brings that to light, isn't it? It doesn't sort of happen every day and we're not caused to question that or perhaps yeah. in such an urgent way as some of those other situations but but you know there, there's really something about you know are you really living your values if you if you say this is your value then are you living it not is everybody else it starts yeah. with you um and yeah. i think you know that that lived values pieces i think it's so important i think everywhere and once you start living your values you become consistent people know what to expect from you and you know yes. we'll talk about trust um later on i know but um you know there is something really powerful about thinking about how you show up in living your values yes. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and being prepared to check in regularly as to whether i am showing up as i want to mm. Um, and it's not, it's not, you know, there's, there's no cruel or challenging or unpleasant conversations when, when people do say, well, you know, to be honest, you're a bit 
And what you weren't quite on the mark. Okay. Yeah. Or you 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 hung on to that a bit longer than perhaps you should have. And yeah. it's worth oh, building I, that circle around you. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. true. I often in 360 feedback uh, encourage them when they start to understand, um, particularly if others see them differently than, than the way they see themselves, encourage them to have conversations with people about um, when, when you see me do whatever it is that is inconsistent with what I think I'm doing, can you find a time to have a conversation with me about it? Mm. So it needs to be a dialogue. It yeah. needs to be when you did this, it looked to me like you were being quite, um, quite controlling. Yeah. Ah, oh, so that's interesting. What did I, what was I saying? What was mm. I doing? Even if you think you know what you we were saying or doing, what mm. was it about what I was doing that made that look that way to you? Mm. Um, and yeah, people who do that well get that mm. feedback and have a, a genuine dialogue about mm. what's happening. Uh, it's so empowering for themselves as well mm. as for others. Yeah, yeah. We've started to, I, I think anyway, you can correct me if I'm wrong, we've started to kind of talk about another element of um, amazing workplaces, which was individual capacity and expanding people yeah. and things like that. We've sort of it kind of segued gently into it. So we did, um, didn't let's, we? Yeah, I was, it was very good. Um, so <laughs> shall, so talk, talk a little bit about um, individual capacity. I mean, there's so many lenses to think about this. But, mm. you know, I really love what you just said about um, that opportunity to, to explore yourself in the context mm. of your workplace, what's possible, how you show up, all of that sort of thing. Um, so could you talk a little bit about, you know, sort of some of the, a couple of the important pieces. Um, if, you know, if I'm a, um, a leader and I'm wanting to create amazing workplace, you know, what sort of things am I looking for around individual capacity and helping people to achieve that? For me, it's engaging in, the, in conversations with people about their aspirations, about their what they feel they need as opportunities for growth and and also to a to a large extent being able to put opportunities for growth out there just to, just to test it mm. so, so sometimes people will be um quite comfortable where they are and it's a difficult conversation to have them grow you know sort of discuss their, their growth and yeah, I, I guess I, I've had a, a fairly challenging in relationship with the whole issue. When I was consulting with a major consulting firm many years back, we were doing a, um, an organisation restructure of a, of a, a glass manufacturing uh, business. And there was a guy at the end of this was pre- uh quality there was a building quality in time so it's a long time ago um and this guy had been the quality inspector at the end of the production line for 30 years and when i went to the factory um he had a his chair was on top of about seven um pallets so that all been it was very safe and you could see where the button for uh, stopping the production line had been moved gradually up higher up the pole that he was sitting next to. And so if he saw a production fault happening, he whacked his fist on the button, stopped production line, 
And of course, being fancy consultants, we had designed out uh, a quality inspection at the end because we had designed the production process to build quality in all the way through. It was a reminder to me that personal growth for people in a workplace can take lots of different forms. It's not what I thought as a consultant would make him be more, have a more enjoyable job. He loved his job. He felt enormous pleasure from knowing that he had the responsibility for stopping production faults. It wasn't just you know, saying, okay, here's a great opportunity for you. And so it's that process of that collaborating with people as a leader to know what floats their boat. What, what are their aspirations? Mm. Um, what, are the, what are the things that, and so sometimes they are quite small changes in their job. Mm. Sometimes they are, uh, it's providing access to um, training or external courses or, or whatever. Sometimes it's shadowing people. Sometimes it's just understanding uh, more about the product or the process or um, uh, moving elsewhere in the organisation. So there's all sorts of ways in which that individual capacity can be developed. Mm. And very frequently, managers and leaders are repaid with, in spades when someone learns something new, when someone has been listened to and has an opportunity to, to try something, to, to grow. Yeah, sure, sometimes they leave. And the, the argument that we just train people to leave is a bit hollow. I'm sad when I hear that because I think it's they were looking at growing them to keep them. Mm. Whereas if we have a, have a sort of the supportive, the, that's this constructive leader, the balance between yep. supportive and, and caring um, the, with the people as well as getting great results. So if we really care about them, they may have to go. Mm. And I've heard of lots of people over the years who've left an organisation and gone back because they loved it so much mm. and they needed to grow somewhere else, but they go back. Yeah. Uh, and you, you can't often uh, tell when that's going to happen. No. And, and, you know, I think if the view is that you're training people to leave, then my suggestion might be then perhaps there's room to look at the other elements of amazing workplaces that are perhaps not supplying um, the amazingness um, that, that that people are looking for in their workplace so it's not just about individual capacity it's about you know the leadership it's about are we really living the values um maybe the values exactly. fit is wrong yeah. you know yeah. i can't work for every organization you know i look for something that's congruent or clients as a matter of fact you know it's about looking for congruence with my values i don't need to coach yeah. all six billion adults on the planet or however many there are um, but you know you get the best results when you acknowledge yeah. what you bring yeah. you acknowledge your and gaps and then say yeah let's work this whole, together mm. the whole what I talked about is one of the elements of the core of course is goals and, yes definitely um, shared shared goals goals that are meaningful and of course encouraging people to set more challenging goals to stretch themselves with their goals it is in a sense as while it's a separate part of the of my core of an amazing workplace they they go hand in hand they do because that development of individual capacity can come from encouraging people to set higher and higher goals mm. um, and it's not necessarily winning the sales um uh the sales competition or um 
having that having the, the best possible patient throughput um, in a health facility it's there's it's, it's not a matter of being best or and we've talked about perfection before it's not a matter of being competitive and having to to win it's actually about setting goals that are meaningful and uh, challenging Mm, mm. and understanding what some of those personal goals are as well I mean you know mm. yes I mean we as, as a workplace we can't necessarily take responsibility for personal goals but actually understanding where people are in their life what other things they aspire to outside their work yes. with you I think is really important um you know I as I mentioned I have a team of four that all they are all in different circumstances um so it's about working with them to understand okay so this is what i need what do you need what you know how does all of this work together you know one of my team has just gotten married um and is relocating to the us over this month so i just keep the door open to kind of say let's check in let's see how you are um how much capacity you've got because there's no point in me just you know, overloading him and saying, well, I still need the job done and all that sort of thing. We have a conversation about um, what he's going through, what I need, how we balance it all. Do we need to redistribute stuff? Can we wait for stuff? You know, this, I always talk about um, my team as we are all a team. I may be the boss for want of a better word, but I have a particular role to play. And so do all yeah. of them. And we can't yeah. do this without each other. So it's important to understand how all the pieces kind of fit together. So um, yeah. let's talk about goals. Let's talk about goals. a little bit more about goals. goals and why not just in terms of individual capacity, but why goals are so important in underpinning an amazing workplace. Having clear and understandable goals is a critical part of providing meaning and providing um, structure and if people know what they're doing why they're doing it and how much is expected a lot of people are quite happy to work in a fluid environment but i believe everyone likes to have that structure of knowing um, what's expected and knowing how they contribute to the greater greater outcomes. Uh, I, mean, I talked before about this is going to another part of the uh, the model, but the individual capacity and developing that, and how you know, spending time with with, uh, with customers, understanding how uh, how a product is used, or with suppliers, uh, how they interact with us. Um, that whole goal aspect is understanding how that how that then works how i how i contribute to not only my own team but the whole organization if, if i've got goals that are clear i'm moving a bit a bit fluffy here aren't i the goals that are clear uh people can can have that that knowledge that that what they have to do we talked i talked before about you know, performance management being one of the the always up in the top few complaints about with people with employee surveys I did in the big consulting firm and I believe that part of that was that goals were not clear mm. the actual process wasn't well managed but people weren't weren't sure whether they were achieving what they were expected to achieve because goals weren't clearly communicated or weren't clearly set um, and and too often goals are maybe set by a manager this is what I expect you to do 
even if you end up with the same goal, to have a discussion about mm, mm. what the goals are and why. Mm, mm. Uh, I think it's really valuable. Yeah, point. that word expectation, I think, is really key, isn't it? I mean, it's a thread through everything, but particularly, I mean, we talk about goals, but actually what we want to know is what's expected of us. And if we're not clear to have a place where we can ask. I heard years ago this great um, sort of formula that um, upset happens when intentions are thwarted and expectations are unmet. And if you think about that, that, that's exactly right. We all, you know, if we have some intentions or expectations and things don't go to plan, that's when we feel upset, you know, yeah. and it's not amazing at all. So, not, it's not. yeah, yeah. So that community, that not just that one-way communication about expectations and goals, I think it's a two-way thing. It you know, it's an exchange way. to say... Yeah. It, for us to check in as well if we're the ones setting those expectations and goals to yep. to sort of check in with you know is what i've said the thing that the someone's heard yeah you know yes, well how exactly. is that translated i get that with my team all the time i used yeah. the word firefighting one day yeah. and we sort of talked for 10 minutes and she was asking and then um all of a sudden she said so so what is firefighting like, like I don't understand it in the sentence. And it is so valuable to have your team willing to say, I don't know what you mean. Um, yep. Because it, it teaches me something that, yep. you know, being more intentional about how I communicate, making sure I continue to make the space for them to ask those questions. And I think yeah. this whole thing about clarity of goals, it's not just a one-way thing. Yeah. It's about, you know, working together about yeah. and it's, those goals it's not to say I'm not trying to say that managers should not set goals for staff. No, not I'm at not all. saying that it's entirely uh, let's sit down and talk about our goals today. No, uh, type type process. It's very much a matter of this is what these are the this is around about the goal that I'm expecting. This is what we need yes. to do, and this is where it fits into the overall organisation. Yes, this is where it fits in with what your colleagues are doing. Yeah. In order that we can achieve, and this is the goal that I've got as a manager. This is the goal that my manager has. Yeah. And so understanding that that cascading goals Definitely. process and, and then leaving it open for the person to say, well, I would actually like to do more than that. Mm. When people are up given an opportunity to set their, their own goals, they frequently will set them higher than their manager would have. And the, the, the parallel to that is performance management processes. Um, the number When people are asked to rate their own performance, they will frequently, and I'm not saying it's always, um, but they will frequently rate their performance lower than their manager would have. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a really good conversation to have with them, mm. particularly in terms of goals. Yeah. This is what I, what I want us to achieve. A, do you reckon you can do it? Mm. B, what, what's your view? What, what's, yeah. you know, what, and, what's and what's in the way? Yeah. What are you exactly. worried about? You know, what's in the way? What, what barriers the, can we remove for you? Yeah. 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 How can I keep out of your way Yeah. to, to, to enable you to do it? Yeah, because you might um, be the barrier. You yeah, as the exactly. boss or the leader, you may actually be the barrier. <laughs> Surely not. Surely not. Goodness me. 
Yeah. And I think in that in those conversations, that's where we really build trust, isn't it? And trust is not necessarily about liking something. It's about understanding what to expect. So tell us a little bit more about trust. Trust, well, trust. Yeah, big question, isn't uh, it? It is a big question. Trust is, for me, a process of being able to be honest and authentic without fear of criticism or or punishment or anything like that, that it's, you notice in really good sports teams that the trust level between team members, it's not a matter of an individual having to do it so that they uh, don't let the team down, that people want to do it because they want to, the, the team to be successful. They trust each other, um, you know, in various, uh, football games, there are times when a, a player will pass the ball um, to a teammate, and it's quite unexpected. It's, and, and it's often a it's a set play, but they have to trust their teammate to be there where that pass is going. Mm, mm. Um, there's a book. Uh, written by a guy called Michael Gurley called The Psychological Edge in Rugby, in which he talks about the All Blacks. And there was a coach of the All Blacks some years ago who had the philosophy of what he called error-free rugby. Mm. And they had a less than spectacularly successful time with their error-free rugby because everyone was worried about making mistakes mm. rather mm. than trusting each other and trusting their own judgment and that's another element of trust is being able to trust oneself. Yes. Being able to be prepared to back one's own mm. um, capacity. Yeah. And I um, think also, too, there's the capacity to accept whatever the consequences are. You know, yeah. sometimes stuff goes wrong. Sometimes it's not nice. You know, stuff like that. And, and I think there's something for me, there's something around, you know, people not to fear criticism. But that doesn't mean that constructive criticism shouldn't occur. Oh, totally. No, it's, I think there's something about being willing to be held accountable and willing to say, sometimes we make judgments and we thought it was going to go a particular way and it doesn't. And yeah. it's about saying, okay, I thought this, this didn't happen and there's consequences around that. And they are my consequences because it was my decision, yeah. um, even but, though... But, but, I didn't think that would happen. Yeah, yeah. But but also not necessarily a matter of, if you like, taking the blame. No. But being able to say, "Wow, I wonder how that happened," rather yes. than, "Oh my God, that's a disaster." It's yeah. wow. I wonder that. I wonder why that didn't work. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what we could do differently next time. Exactly. I wonder why yeah and it's that reflective i think i've talked a little i talked a little earlier about constructive leaders being reflective yeah. and it's that reflection on um it's not who's to blame or, mm. or what went wrong but i wonder how it went wrong i wonder what mm. we missed mm. i wonder and the, the 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 classic team environment where people talk about we automatically mm. you know i wonder yeah. where we where we missed something there i wonder mm. how we didn't get that right 
Yeah. Or what so. what could we put in place for next time? Or what didn't we notice? What you know, what should we be paying yeah. more attention to and less yeah. attention to? There's a great, yeah. um, I think it's um, a quote um, I read in relation to an employee that worked at one of the, the Disney parks and okay. something had gone wrong um, and it, um, it wasn't in his area, if that makes sense. And he said, it's not my fault, but it is my problem. Yes. And I think that when he, when someone told me that, I went, that's a great attitude to have. You know, yeah. it's not about fault. It's not about blame. It's about going, what happened? Yeah. What's the thing that happened and what's the thing we need to resolve and how can yeah. we resolve it? How do we reflect yeah. and, and either not have it happen again or make improvements? Um, yeah. It might not be that exactly. we never have it happen again, but what do we learn from it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I, I talked earlier about um, having meaningful and valuable interactions with client, with customers and clients mm. uh, rather than transactional ones. And, and that's a classic, uh, really amazing organisations welcome customer complaints. Yeah. Yeah. They welcome having someone say, this didn't go well. Mm. So that they can then say, and, and what made me think of it was your, it's not my fault, but it is my responsibility or my, my problem. But for a person to, you know, to say, okay, I may not have caused that, but I take ownership of fixing it for you. Yes. I take, so the complaint becomes a way in which we can delight customers mm. and a, an amazing organisation people don't say oh that's not my fault I'll pass you to someone else or I'll give it to the person who made the mistake or I'll find out who did it and they can fix it nothing it's not important for the customer or the they client who made the mistake the yeah. issue is can it be remedied yeah and I'd like I, it, I will fixed. Own it don't really yeah. care who does it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I, I will thank you for the for that complaint I will own it and I will get back to you yeah and then um, get back and, to me. Indeed. And because so, then that builds it, trust. It does. I was just about to say that. Aha. It <laughs> and, it, and it's, it's a, such, a, such a symbol of trust. Mm. You do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. And we um, talked about that we, right at the start with constructive leaders. We do. And values. And there are lots of thread. common threads through this. Yeah. That, that, and and when, I, when I built my model of, of amazing organisations, it, sometimes it was quite hard to to narrow it down because there are sort of bits and pieces that, that turn up in in lots of different elements. But it, that that to me is the strength of the model. Yeah. Um, if yeah. they're all uh, independent of each other, then it's not a model. Then it's not no, a model exactly. The world. So what's coming up for you? You know, you you've just uh, sort of uh, taken us through. Um, you know that amazing workplaces model and the, and the structure behind it and all of that sort of thing. Um, you know what what are you working on? What what are what are you aspiring to um, in terms of working with clients um, over the next little bit and maybe even improving your own amazing workplace? Yeah, I, I look. I, I'm uh, as a sole practitioner. Um, I. I'm prone to walk into the bathroom, look in the mirror, or give give the boss a real dressing down every now and then, in order to improve the the quality of the workplace relationships. But in terms of what's coming up for me, I'm always working with 
as many people as I can, individuals and teams, to try to help them get their head around what they can do to create their own brand of amazing. And, and so while I don't have any specific events coming up, um, it's those conversations. And I understand these issues can be complicated. They can seem really complicated. But the most important thing that anyone can do is to start somewhere. There's never a right time. There's never a right place to start. But starting the, the, the process of saying, so what do we do? What can we do? What might we do? So in terms of what's coming up, one thing I would like to offer people who are listening to the podcast is a free, no obligation half hour to provide them with an interim path to amazing assessment. Um, so I'll, I'll spend half an hour with them, go through the, the elements of the, the, the amazing organisation. Um, the objective of that would be to give them some practical tips on, on where to go next, where to start, what, what things are perhaps the most obvious to me as an external person. While I don't know the organisation, I, I believe I have a, uh, a real capacity to, to hear uh, and to see uh, those little bits that just say, yeah, something's not right. Something's not quite there yet. Mm. And it's not a criticism. As I said at the very beginning, it's not a, a question of finding blame or fault or it's a matter of um, I'm happy to spend half an hour with, with people just to start walking them through that, establish some sort of understanding for mm. them of, of what would be possible if they were to, to become more amazing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, thank you so much. So 30 minutes, 30 minutes to work out your path to amazing. That's, that's an awesome opportunity. So uh, we will put the link to, um, for people to book that with you in the show notes. Uh, so um, we'll put all the details there. But, you know, what, what a great opportunity. I think sometimes, as you said, it can feel really complicated and overwhelming. And the other thing is we get stuck in the urgent busyness of today oh, and we yeah. know it needs to be fixed, but we're not quite sure where to start. And this is an opportunity, yeah. you know, it's a real gift, I think, sometimes to sit down and have that, like, that reflective conversation. Yeah. Because it's hard yeah. to fit in and it's sometimes hard to, to justify in our busy results-driven showing up mm -hmm. lives, yeah. um, you know, and to have to have one of the most valuable things for me is is when I am talking through stuff, stuff, um, <laughs> very technical term. Um, <laughs> when I'm when I'm talking, you know, through stuff, to have someone. Sometimes I'm just talking it through, and it's not someone who knows me well, or it's not someone who mm. knows that part of my. Life. And it's just really yeah. interesting to to see what comes back at you. Because that's yeah. how you're showing up to someone else. We, you know, we talk really yeah. at the start about this. It's about how you show up. And, and sometimes there can be a bit of a disconnect about how we think we're showing up and what other people are hearing or seeing. A large portion of the time, people have the solution already there. I'm, I'm not a magician who will suddenly tell them what to do. Uh, I walk away from a coaching session thinking, wow, gee, I hope I just didn't waste that client's hour. Mm. 
and yeah. get a text message to say, oh, that was amazing, that coaching session, because, amazing, because it helped me think through this, or you know, we, you know, there were so many solutions that came out of that. And the reality is that vast majority of people, particularly experienced managers and leaders, do already have the answers. Mm. Don't get the time often to sit and reflect about it. So that yeah. that a half hour is uh, something I can give them to to help that process. Right. Well, um, thank you on behalf of all of Building Brand New listeners um, in advance. Uh, so we've been we've been um, talking about all sorts, um, but everything to do with amazing workplaces um, over the, the, the last little while. Um, so one of the things uh, that Building Brand You as a brand is all about is about sort of taking action, taking something you've heard and acting upon it, doing something about it. Otherwise, this will be a lovely podcast you listen to, but, you know, will it make any difference um, yeah. to your life as a, as a business person, as a, an employee, as a volunteer, as a, just a person in the world, a human being. So what, what I'd like to ask you is, is there a nugget that you could um, leave for building brand new listeners that they could go away and apply or put into action today? Okay. I'm, I'm tempted to say contact me to have your last amazing discussion. <laughs> But well, there is that. The, the, the one piece of advice I'd like to offer, and this is regardless of how amazing your workplace is. So start from a position uh, of the fact that your workplace is already amazing. Take the time to ask, and I've got three questions. I'd like you to ask them of yourself, of some people in your organisation, and someone external to the organisation. And the three questions are, what can we do differently to be even better than we are now? The second question is, what would be possible if we were even more amazing? And the third question is, am I being the most constructive leader that I can be? Three great questions. So can I just I, run through them again? So yeah, sure. we can embed them for people. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I was about to say, would you like me to repeat them? Yes. Uh, so remember, this is asking of yourself, of people in your organisation and someone external. So that's three, three levels. And the questions again are, what can we do differently to be even better than we are now? Second one, what would be possible if we were even more amazing? And the third one is, am I being the most constructive leader that I can be? And if the answer is yes, I would question Ooh, yourself. I'd like to find out, I'd like to talk to them. Because yeah, well, well I, I always think there's room, you know, if we're, we're sort of in that possibility, what can I do differently to be better yeah. mindset, then actually, am I being the most constructive leader for me would lead me down the path of going, in some areas, yes, but perhaps there's work I, or things I could look at in other mm. areas. Perhaps I could, and, and that's the point of asking other people as well. Because it's not just about your view of yourself; it's about how you yep. show up in the world, um, yep. and and building that you know as you talked about that level of trust, that level of connection, so that you are wherever you are, you are creating an amazing space. 
So um, some really um, fantastic discussion, but also um, some great takeaways um, for, for our listeners and that opportunity to have um, the Pathway to Amazing assessment with you. So um, we'll put all those details in the show notes and any um, particular books or references we've referred to. Um, I know I referred to Matthew Syed. Um, you've referred to a couple of things, Simon. So we'll put all of those resources in the show notes for people. Uh, so if people, apart from wanting to um, book their Pathway to Amazing assessment with you, uh, if people want to get in touch with you generally, what um, what's the best way? What's your preferred way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, look, I think probably the preferred way is um, email mm -hmm. or um, message me on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. I, uh, I use LinkedIn a bit. There's, I've got quite a few uh, articles on LinkedIn people can, can browse through, um, but certainly message me there or email me direct. It's interesting that you're, you're in the UK, I'm in Australia. Um, gone are the days when I would be saying, uh, you know, I need Melbourne-based clients. Mm. Um, uh, the, the path to amazing discussion can be had either with individuals or teams uh, on Zoom or Teams or um, whatever, Google Meet. Yep. So, you know, it's sort of uh, the beauty of, uh, of where we're going technologically means this stuff's available everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that is really amazing isn't it? When we start, when we think about, I think about when I started working and none mm. of this was available. Yeah. And you think yeah. back and you go, wow, this isn't, I wonder where we'll be in the next 20, 30 years. That's amazing. Absolutely. Oh, what's possible? Oh, what's possible? Stop blows, me now. Blows my mind, Kim. Yeah. Blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, all that's left for me to say, Simon, is to, to thank you for uh, coming on to this special season of Building Brand New Down Under um, being one of my extraordinary conversations with Australian entrepreneurs. Uh, thank you for all of your insights and for being such a champion of, of people and the types of spaces and places we can actually create. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity. Congratulations on a, on a great podcast series. It's, uh, it's fabulous. Listeners, thank you for joining us and uh, look out for the next episode soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand New podcast. I'm Kim Hamer. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For all the latest news and special offers, hot tips and exclusive content, you can also become a member of the Building Brand You Facebook group. Just type Building Brand You into the Facebook search box and request to join. And if you want to unlock your reputation, your results and your impact right away, our new program, The Vice Squad, is now live. You'll find the link to find out more and to register your place in the show notes. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out more, please book in for a free 20-minute coaching call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.